0: Welcome to Introspection. I'm your host, Amy Lindner Lesser, a 25-year innkeeping veteran, wedding-efficient, social worker, life coach, and trainer. Introspection is my gift back to the hospitality industry. I've taken on the task to assist independent innkeepers to thrive in these competitive times by looking at hospitality from the inside. In this podcast, I share conversations with innkeepers and other experts, showcasing great hospitality and highlighting properties which demonstrate this in real time. So grab your pen and paper, you'll want to add to your list of inns to stay where you'll be treated royally. We will also share information for hosts about how to provide exceptional service without sacrificing your own freedom joy, or lots of hard-earned money. After all, most of us left a nine-to-five job only to find ourselves working 24-7. Are you ready to take off? Welcome to Introspection. Welcome, everyone. It's Amy Lindner Lesser, and this is our fourth episode of Introspection, hospitality from the inside. And I'm so pleased today to have as my guest, Darcy Bartlett, who's the president of the Interim Innkeepers Network. She's also an interim innkeeper herself, the full-time innkeeper of the Spring Lighthouse B&B in Michigan, and co-founder of B&B Creates, which is a virtual assistant business geared toward the bed and breakfast industry. Now, just in case that wasn't enough, she's had over 30 years experience in the hospitality and service industries and stays busy as the mother of five grown children and grandmother to 10. Welcome, Darcy. I'm so happy to have you with me. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. So you certainly have had lots of experience from all sides of the industry and over many years and have seen many changes, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yes. And I love the service industry. It's been my home for a long, long time. Tell me about some of the changes that you've seen. Like Where are we today compared to when you first started out? Well, I've
1: only been in, it, in the innkeeping end of things for just under 10 years. And some of the changes are the definite pull towards the younger generation. You know, when, when I first got into BBs, so and I'm sure a lot of others have seen this, it was our generation and older that really enjoyed the B&B industry and going to places uh, to stay. Now we're really finding the younger generations. Up are beginning to find who we are and making us their home as well. And I think that's a fantastic move and I'm excited to see where it takes us. Can you categorize like the kind
0: of change in the type of guest other than age? Are their expectations similar or are they looking for a completely different experience?
1: I think they are looking for a completely different experience. And I don't think that has anything to do with age. But I do think that they're looking for the all-inclusive, you know, uh, when we go somewhere, we want a beautiful place to stay, all the amenities that we enjoy, and things to see and do. And, and the concierge end of B&B industry is really building in, in such a way as it's an all-inclusive vacation. It's not just a stopover on the way to somewhere else anymore. The b itself becomes the destination, which is a fantastic Another fantastic move in the right direction for the B&B industry. Definitely. So what, how would you
0: characterize hospitality? It's, this is a question Hospi- I ask everybody. Uh, uh,
1: hospitality itself to me is the feeling of being welcomed, the feeling of being wanted, appreciated, uh, celebrated even, that, that warm feeling of, of almost, almost like coming home When we show our guests through the inn, my husband has this habit of always saying just before we leave them, welcome home. We're glad you're here. I think people want to feel that they're comfortable in their surroundings and that they are are wanted there. And I think that's a big miss in our industry sometimes. I think you're right. Um, That was something that I always did
0: in my 25 years of innkeeping. It was welcome home. And, oh, wonderful. You know, obviously, as they left, we can't wait to see you again and come back home soon. Um, Absolutely. Since we're recording this over Thanksgiving weekend, and I had an experience. my I have a very small family. I have two daughters, and they each have spouses and children, one child each. And this year, it was my one daughter, her husband, and baby for Thanksgiving, which was unusual for us. We usually have a lot of friends. And I was invited with them to my son-in-law's aunt's house. And I was a little apprehensive, sort of like going to a BB and b the first time. I had only met his two aunts at their wedding and one other time. And I wasn't sure how I was going to feel. And I have to say, hospitality shows up all the time. They made me feel very welcomed, as if I had known them for years. And it was a very comfortable, wonderful experience. So my belief, and one of the reasons that I started the podcast, is that B&Bs and Inns are uniquely qualified to provide what I call wow service which is wonderful, over-the-top, welcoming service. What would you say goes into that, aside from the Uh, welcome home? Yes, absolutely.
1: Aside from the warm welcome and the meeting people at the door and and showing them through the house. And again, that fits with the customer. There are customers who just want to come in and, and pretty much be left alone. You have to feel out that situation. And I think that that's as welcoming for some as is the warm hug and the, you know, welcome home. So I I would say that the whole wow experience, the -the over-the-top welcome has to do with a little bit of everything from, from the comfort of the home itself, the, the thoughtfulness of, you know, what is it your guest needs before they know they need it. And then gauging your, you know, how much do I give them versus how much do I hold back and let them, you know, just enjoy their time. You have to feel that out, but, it's really all guest centered and when you put the guest first in front of everything else, regardless of of what is going on if there's a way you can make the guest feel important and and welcome that that just does wonders that says a lot for helping I guess
0: innkeepers sometimes we get caught up in our rules, our policies, our procedures. And it's like, no, you need to do things the <laughs> way I want you to do them. And if we can just sort of push them aside, that really helps. And anticipating their needs. I think that's that was yes. very good. Like be, before they even know
1: they have needs. Absolutely. And I have to agree with what you said. I have the unique perspective of never owning my own end. I have always worked for other innkeeper or owners, I should say, and as working as an interim up until now where I'm in a permanent position. And so I can step back a little bit simply because it's not a home I I put together. It's not a home that I've lived in all my life. And now I'm opening my doors. I'm able to step back a little bit and not take offense at the different things that our guests do that they think is making them more comfortable and we take as, you know, an affront to our style or whatever it be. And, and I'm with you on this. If that's, if there's one thing I could say to the inn owners out there, and the in uh, keepers is, is to keep that perspective that rather than they're in my home, when you put up that shingle and you start to charge, they're in your business now they're not in your home per se, and when you can look at it as a business and that's how you're making your money, I think that changes the perspective a little. I think it's easy to get caught up in in what beautiful things we've put together as far as the house goes and what have you. It's very easy. And I think it's easy to get burned out in this industry. and And I think it's important to find those ways not to. I think that's very true.
0: One of the things that I often will coach my clients is in, it's not about you. Very little is about you. How somebody reacts to you or the things they say to you are a reflection of them and not you. And when we can step back and realize that, that it could be the kind of day they've been having. Maybe they just had a fight with their partner on the car ride to you. You know, who knows what's going on in their lives? And you're just sort of the pillow that receives it. And let it it go
1: and don't take it personally. That's the best thing. Yeah, Absolutely. It's so true. It's easy to take it personally, but it's so much easier on you emotionally if you don't take it personally. Right. And you said
0: something about, you know, it's your things and and valuables. I remember thinking, I'm going to have nothing in my inn that would just hurt me terribly if it got broken. And thankfully, you know, in 25 years, the only real valuable thing that got broken, my late husband broke. (laughs) It wasn't a guest, so I couldn't get upset with the guest. It was Steve and it was an accident. And, you know, but it's true that, you know, yes, I had many meaningful things and I had expensive antiques, expensive art and It wasn't the worst thing in the world if anything got hurt, that I just didn't put those out in public. It's as if you have, you know, small children around your home. You don't don't put that really expensive vase on a low coffee table that your three-year-old could knock over and break. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So tell me about the inn that you're in keeping at now.
1: You've been there for how long? Almost three years. Okay. It's a beautiful home with uh, a 350 feet of frontage on Lake Michigan. Uh, we're in a tiny little town in northern Michigan that um, is quite a touristy uh, area, so it's a nice place to be. It's been my hometown for almost 20 years, huh. and uh, then we, my husband and I started our inkeeping experiences across the country, and then we got a call to come back to our very own hometown and, and work at this inn. It's a beautiful five bedroom home owned by a woman who's uh, very well known in this area. Um, she raised her family in this gorgeous old farmhouse that was a cherry farm at one point. She raised her family here and then decided once they were grown and gone that she was never going to sell it, which is very smart. And she wanted to do something to give back that, that is her whole philosophy in life. And, um, this way she could share this beautiful home and the artwork and the things that she has in the home with those people who come up to Northern Michigan. So we have a beautiful four bedroom. We, we rent four of the five bedrooms out. And um, so it's not huge, but it's nice. It's intimate. Uh, it's very private. It's a little on the upscale end of things. So we get a clientele that's a little different from the run of the mill. And um, it's been really fun. It's been a great adventure. We opened it with her and for her. Um, We've been the only innkeepers here so far. And last time I talked to her, she said she hoped we stayed forever. So (laughs) I'm excited to know I'll be here for a while. (laughs) Well,
0: that's wonderful. What are some of the ways that you provide WOW service?
1: Well, we, we meet our guests at the door, helping them to find the right place to park in the parking area that we have. We show them in. We tell them a little bit about the history of the house, and then show them to their rooms. and And we just uh, we just treat them like we've known them for a long time. A lot like you mentioned about the Thanksgiving dinner. You know, I'm sure they're apprehensive too of what they're going to find. We get a lot of first time B Bers. A lot, uh, probably forty percent of our guests are first time uh, B and Bers. So it's nice for them to have that warm welcome, that great feeling. And um, we hope that it will get them on board to come back here and also to visit other BNBs. We have amenities in the rooms that, that allow them. You know, we have uh, espresso machines and things such as that. So it just kind of makes it um, very comfortable for them. You know, we just we just really try to be there and, and direct them in whatever they need to know. We're always available by phone or text at any time of the day or night. And I think people appreciate that. It's rare that they use it at three in the morning, but if they needed to, they could. And I'm I'm thankful to provide that. So we just do a lot of, you know, just I guess we treat people the way we would want to be treated. I think that's the real gist of it for me, being in the service industry is treating people the way that we want to be treated. You know, if there ever is a problem, and I learned this in the end of uh, when I was working in the restaurant industry, uh, I seem to be the one that, people that, that the management gave the tables to when I was waiting tables of someone who was upset, who had not had a server show up in a while. And uh, it seemed to be my specialty somehow that, that I could handle that situation. And so I took a lot of pride in that. And I think that's uh, spilled over into this. There's always a way somebody just wants to be heard. As you said, it's not personal. Um, we don't know what they're dealing with. It, they just want to be heard. And so we listen, we let them talk. What is it we can do for you? I remember
0: one of the conferences I attended in the Association of Lodging Professionals, which at the time was called PI, was with a an expert concierge, Holly Steele. And she wrote a book called A Complaint is a Gift. And it's one of the best short books that I've ever read. It talks about how... The guests that you have that don't complain, that never have a problem, don't have the same kind of relationship with you as someone who's had an issue and you've taken the time to say, thank you for sharing that with me. Let me fix that for you and then fix it. And then they're tied to you forever. I would recommend it to any innkeeper who has not yet read it. Again, it's called A Complaint is a Gift by Holly Steele and it was it was wonderful, and I think that's that's what you talk about. The people who do call you at three o'clock in the morning are calling not just to say "Hi, <laughs> they're calling instead to say, "We've got a problem, we need help, whether yes. it's a problem from home, you know where there's somebody sick, God forbid or or it's some um, noise or it's a leak or the power went out, whatever it is, they need help and You know, I think most guests, thankfully, are respectful of time.
1: I think so, too. And I think that as I tell my guests when they do bring something to my attention, I can't fix what I don't know. So I appreciate that you bring it to my attention so that I can fix it. Exactly. Exactly. Now, as an interim
0: innkeeper, you're now working with an inn with four rooms. What's the
1: largest inn that you've been an innkeeper for? The largest that I've been an innkeeper for is 11 rooms and an event center as well. The 11 rooms included a cottage that housed eight people. So breakfast was as many as 30 people okay. on a regular basis. And that was, that was great. I loved the job. It was a lot of work. The event center probably was double the work of a normal innkeeper. So yeah, I've, I've had all the gamut from a few bedrooms. I actually, from a two bedroom inn, seriously in Yosemite, which was beautiful, to this 11-room and That would be my spectrum of inns that I've worked for.
0: Would you say that the issues facing innkeepers in a two-bedroom inn or a four-bedroom inn, 11 plus a huge event center, are the same or are they different?
1: Oh, they're completely different. They're really completely different. I mean, there are so many similarities, but it's the scale Right now, I serve breakfast for eight people max, and that's I can do that in my sleep. Let alone, you know, thirty people. And and the difference also between these inns are things like how they serve breakfast. I serve a plated breakfast that I choose, chef's choice every day, with consideration always of my guests' um, dietary needs. Versus the thirty bed or the thirty guest breakfast that I served at this other inn, those were menus. They were menus passed wow. out the night before and come back to me at 11 o'clock at night. And then I got to, you know, I had there were two or three choices, but uh, four or five choices for toast and different kinds of juice and coffee and, you know, I'm trying to keep those 30 people straight as far as who's down in the dining room and who isn't. There's a real a real range, as you said, it's a, a whole different scale when it's something
0: that large. And for me, I had a 20 room in our dining room didn't seat. 40 or more people. Many of our rooms took more than two people, and we often had families or friends who would come and rent a room for three or four people. So we did things by serving a buffet, and we ser- We had three seatings. So we could see 20-something at a time, depending on how many would sit at a, at a table, Our tables were for two to four people. We could do a table for six or eight if somebody needed it with moving tables around. The only way we were able to do that was by having some very set procedures so that anybody who was in the kitchen or dining room at that time knew what to do and knew how to
1: handle it. Absolutely. That's so different. Such such a big undertaking. I mean... Breakfast for some is a one and a half or two hour affair. Breakfast for you at, in that sense must have been half the day.
0: We served from eight like thirty to ten. Yeah. We did forty-five yeah. minute seatings. And then, you know, when we were full, we rushed like mad to clear <laughs> the dining room and reset. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, whole different whole different scenario. Do you have ends from your experience? that you would recommend to in-goers as places where the hospitality is amazing, the ambiance is wonderful, and that either a newbie or an experienced guest
1: would really enjoy? I do. You know, I was looking looking at this, thinking about this particular kind of question, and it's so funny because of all the inns that my husband and I have worked at as interims, there are only a couple of them that are still inns. We happened to kind of take the jobs where they were waiting for someone to buy the inn, or the inn was for sale. And at least three of the inns, the beautiful inns, have sold to private parties. So they're no longer inns. And that's such a shame. They were gorgeous, beautiful inns. But of the ones that are still I can't think of any that I wouldn't recommend. They were fantastic. And and just everything was so different in, in each inn, but just beautiful. These innkeepers do such great jobs anymore. I mean, it's, it's a competitive industry. And um, those who just don't take the time and don't care, I don't think, are pulling in the business that the others are. Yeah. And so, yeah, I would highly recommend the, the two or three that I know are still in business that are not. Would you you share their names and locations? Certainly. Certainly. The Felt Manor in Galena, Illinois, is is a very nice place. They have a carriage house out back that they have revamped into a beautiful, beautiful extension of their inn. Uh, Very, very nice uh, place to go. I love Galena, by the way. Great town. Lots of inns. I'd recommend it highly to anyone who's looking for a weekend getaway. It's a fantastic place to go. The uh, Let's see. The Stone Chalet in Ann Arbor is the largest one that I worked at. I really enjoyed that as well. Um, An old, beautiful, gothic stone facade. Beautiful place. Nicely done. Beautiful uh, room. Great, great event center there. The other, let me think. uh, New Bern, Bern, North Carolina, the Airy, Beautiful, beautiful. Another beautiful town. A little, uh, the home of Pepsi, by the way. Some beautiful filming done in that area for different television shows, uh at the home of Nicholas Sparks. It's it's just a fantastic place. And the area is gorgeous and absolutely gorgeous. Very well done. It's recently been totally revamped under new ownership. It's gorgeous and beautiful. I would highly recommend. Thank um, you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, for sharing I those. think of okay. the top of my head. So we touched very,
0: very briefly about. Inkeepers burning out, that it is a 24-7 job. What have you learned from your experiences that can help prevent burnout?
1: A couple of things that I've learned over the years, and it, it takes a while to understand. As you said, this is a 24-7 job. There's no doubt about it. It's a lifestyle. It's, a, it's something we passionately love and do because we love it. If you calculate it by the hour, the pay is not great, but the but the benefits are great, and um the ability to do as we do. I think one of the things my husband and I learned fairly early on, even though it's taken a long time to really come to grips with it, is that your day is not nine to five, and therefore, when you're done with breakfast and you're done with rooms, if you're not fortunate enough to have a cleaning staff, There is a time frame right there where you need to take time. That's your time Uh, between breakfast or, again, cleaning and when your guests start to come in. Very personal time, whether you use it to nap, whether you use it to work, whether you use it to go shopping, whether you take a bath, whatever that is, you have to get beyond that feeling that I should be on the clock and realize that you're going to be on the clock till 10 or 11 o'clock at night revamping your schedule is one of the big things that I've learned has really helped keep me from burnout. The days that I have no guests, such as this time of year when it's starting to get quiet, not feeling guilty that, that I take a day to relax. I'm on seven days a week all during the tourist season. So we have to learn to adjust our own thinking and not be hard on ourselves when we need that downtime. And That's to, one of the main things. And to fully take it. I'm sorry. To not to fully take it,
0: and you know, find somebody else who can take that phone call for you, so that you can get a massage without your phone ringing, or be absolutely. you know buzzing because it's vibrating. I mean, I can,
1: absolutely.
0: I remember taking a reservation. I had taken my parents to Florida, for the, you know, and I had flown down with them, and they were going to spend the winter, and I was there relaxing for a day before coming home and did not know that back home, where I did have a staff person staying at the inn and dealing with guests, we had a horrible blizzard and power was out. When power went out, what happened was the phones were transferred to my cell phone. And I had no idea that that was going on at home. And my phone rang and I look at it and it's a number I didn't know. So without even taking a breath, I went, hello, the blah, 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 in, this is Amy, and I took a reservation (laughs) and put it onto the computer. You have, you know, you don't know where or what. And I also took time in the day to have fun. And, you know, my last guest, Tida Breadfelt, who's been in the industry for like 40 years, talks about how you need to have a day off a week. I did not ever I shouldn't say that. I didn't regularly schedule a day off a week. It just wasn't possible, especially when I was a single innkeeper. I had staff and I made sure that I had staff who could answer phones and check guests in so that I could go out for a few hours during the day. And sometimes to mitigate the guilt of not being there, I would do something for me that could be fun, but I could also couch it as I'm doing it for my guests. So I would go sightseeing around my area. And yes. I was introducing myself to the, the people at the house museum or the museum, and also enjoying the museum and having some fun. I would go out to lunch or dinner, checking places out so that I knew where I would feel comfortable sending guests. And, and so it, it sort of killed two birds with one stone, it was definitely a way for me to relax, and it was a way to keep it as part of the in's business. In your role with the interim innkeepers network, what are the most common reasons that innkeepers might call to get
1: an interim? The main reason I would say for first-time callers, people who've never used the interim innkeepers network before, would be emergency situations. Um, A death of a loved one, illness of the innkeepers, innkeepers walking out at, you know, an inopportune moment, uh, waiting for new innkeepers to come in, the kinds of things that need to be filled. Those are the kind of situations that bring people to us for the first time. I think after the first time, people really get a feel for what it is. And therefore, I want to get away for a weekend or I need to work on just the bookkeeping of my inn for four or five days. I don't want to answer phones. I don't want to take guests in. I'm here, but I don't want to be here. There's such a wide range of what interims can do. I think that once someone has tried the situation, then they can be a little more creative with, you know, I want to go visit my children for a few days and I don't want to have to think about the inn. And I've got somebody, a great interim who's, you know, two hours away. They'll come and take care of my inn. That's probably the main reason people call. Is there a typical size inn that
0: would call you or does it range? Well, you said you did a two-room inn, so I guess it ranges.
1: <laughs> it does range. It really does range. And, and we have 40, I think 40 or 45 couples and or singles, uh, individual independent contractors in the interim uh, innkeepers network right now. And it does range. Some of them specialize in really large inns, 20, 30 rooms, and others prefer the really quiet, small, uh, situation. Some want to go for the entire season. My husband and I tended to do those long-term, uh, three to six month gigs. And some really want just a few days and they want to work once or twice a month. It so varies. Um, Pricing varies, it all varies what their what their specialty is. And again, whether it's one person or two, whether they're in your neighborhood or not, uh, it doesn't matter if they're in your neighborhood. We have innkeepers all across the country, or interims, I should say, all across the country, and they're willing to travel almost anywhere. Most all of them are. Yeah, so it, it really, it doesn't matter whether it's one or two rooms or 30 rooms. We, we also collaborate, which is another great feature of the interim innkeepers, If we have a single woman who wants to take a job and it really requires two people because it's 20 or 30 rooms, they will reach out for another interim to go with them and they get to socialize with their friends and they get to do the work together. They also collaborate on long-term situations, which is very nice. We have Mackinac Island up here in Michigan, a beautiful tourist area, and they wanted and, and often want an interim for the entire season, which for them is May to October. Some of our interims will collaborate on that. We'll have one who's there for two months and then followed by another innkeeper uh, who comes in for a month or two, and then they switch back and forth. There's all kinds of ways to make it work. So we're really up for almost anything. That's wonderful, because one of the things
0: about being an innkeeper and pretty much any type of entrepreneur is it's a very lonely kind of business, it's not appropriate to talk with your employees if you have them about what's going on or problems or, or issues. So it's nice to know that, you know, if you're a single person and you don't have a spouse or a partner, that you have somebody that you can call on. Absolutely. So, and, I'm and I guess we have a lot of that collaboration. And I'm guessing the network itself is a good source for support for
1: from innkeeper to innkeeper. Or interim to absolutely, interim. absolutely in, in in any way because we often have innkeepers who call or email or whatever just to talk about their situation and could we help them and how could we help them, and and I think that same thing it's a support system if nothing else of ideas for how they can actually accomplish what they what they need which is a uh, time away not to burn out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my my next question is how does one best prepare to have an interim come in to help out?
1: Well, that is a fantastic question and one that's rarely asked. Our interims are well-versed in in this whole situation. We have a few new interims. We get, uh, we've gotten quite a few actually recently and we try to get them up to speed on all of this as well so that they're familiar with what it takes to go in and run someone else's in. The thing that we suggest... Strongly, is some form of a procedures manual, some form of all of your nice secrets and passwords and things that someone else would need. Not all of your personal passwords, but you know, things like your Think Reservation or Res Nexus passwords so they can work with your system. Have all of that in one place. As interims, we have that paperwork so that uh, we send it out oftentimes to the innkeepers. To say, can you please fill all this out? You know, I need to know where the shutoffs are, where the for the water system, for example. Where who you call if there's a plumbing issue? What time you serve breakfast? What are your policies when it comes to children or pets? What what do you do if someone wants to extend the stay? What are your policies if they want to leave early? Where do you recommend people go to to dinner? I mean, there's just a myriad of things that we ask. And if it's already put together, not only are you, the innkeeper, prepared for a last minute issue, but it's also a lot easier to hand that over to an interim and say, here you go, you know, spend a a day or so working with us and, and then you're off to go
0: on your adventure. And that's something that introspection can help with also that yes. we can come and and shadow you for a few days, depending on the size of your end, and then write up your procedures so that you can have them ready in a manual to give to an interim to use for staff training. Um, you know, when you bring on a new staff person, it's easy to say, here's everything, shadow us, let's work together, but here's everything written down. And also what I'm seeing within in sales many of the the new buyers are not like the buyers when i bought where you know we wanted two weeks with the previous owners to see how they did things they didn't have things written down so we needed to be with them and shadow them for a while well nowadays either people have had experience or they just they don't want the information So to hand over a binder of this is how we've done things, this is where everything is. It sort of allows you to say, here are the keys, this really is turnkey, here's your manual, bye. (laughs) See you
1: later. Um, And so that's good. Absolutely. That's a fantastic service. I'm I'm so excited to hear about it because this is such a daunting task for many to consider putting all of this into one place and and the difficulties of the time, finding the time to do it. Exactly. Um, yeah, this is a great service. I'm excited to hear that that there is such a thing out there. And may I suggest one other thing that people don't often think about, uh, your INS recipes. Yes. The recipes that you're using uh, regularly if you want interims or if you want to pass them on in a sales situation or simply in training,
0: Mm-hmm. You know, uh,
1: you have these fantastic recipes that you use, and I guarantee you any cook out there takes a recipe and tweaks it somewhere. Definitely. But it's very, <laughs> very, very rare that you write down the tweaks to your recipes. And so if you're going to hand that recipe off to your, your new kitchen staff to make, it's not going to come out the way you want it to. So make those notes on your recipes, too, and Definitely. keep them in a Maybe even in the policy binder, whatever. But well we had somewhere. We had two recipe
0: binders. One was for breakfasts and one was for our afternoon refreshments. And that way you could grab whichever one you needed. And we probably were starting one of our dinners and our lunches, which we started to do during COVID, and then I sold the inn. So we never quite got that down. <laughs> I want to add, I think this is a perfect time, that Darcy and the Interim Innkeepers Network and I for introspection will be at the ALP conference the beginning of February in Baltimore. So come and join us. If you're a new or prospective innkeeper, Darcy's doing a workshop, and I want to encourage you to attend that. And I will have a booth and I'm working on a fun, a fun thing to
1: help innkeepers prevent burnout. So it's a great opportunity. It is a fantastic opportunity. You'll be surprised if you've never been to a conference at just how supportive it is to know you're in a room full of people who know what you do and how you do it and what it feels like, and what your questions are. And then you go through the marketplace and you meet people who, who do incredible things, such as introspection, that you just had no idea were even out there. And it's so worth the time. Um, it really, really is. So I second what Amy is saying. If anyone out there is even on the fence about going, just do it. Just just bite the bullet and go. You will love every minute of it. You'll learn more than you ever thought possible. doesn't matter if you've been in the industry all your life. You're going to learn something new. It's well worth going.
0: Definitely. And one of the things that really has surprised me, I think, about our industry is that even the inns that were up the block from me and my f- former town had a lot of inns. It was a, a huge tourist destination. We were not competition. You know, that we were caring about each other. We each had our own special niche and would refer back and forth, and people would help people out. I remember once when power went out, I went running up the hill and borrowed um, a, a burner, a, a coffee maker that I could put on my grill to cook. We cooked breakfast on the grill. Um, people, you know, somebody ran out of tablecloths or napkins, and we lent them those and brought them. And that's what ALP is. It's a large community of friends just, they may be like your guests. They're friends you haven't met yet. So I encourage exactly. you to come and meet them. So, Darcy, we're just about at the end of our time. What other information would you like to share with
1: our listeners? Just that uh, we're out there. You know, you don't have to do this alone. You don't have to um, try to figure out how to keep this going without some kind of help. Um we are out there. The the Each um, situation is different, what you may need us for, and also each interim is different in what they're uh, able to handle. I would highly suggest to anyone who is considering hiring one of the interim innkeepers that they understand that we are a listing service, almost exclusively a listing service. We do vet our people to a point. We make sure that there is some form of uh, Pat's experience in this industry, but I would highly suggest that you vet these people for yourself. It needs to be uh, a meeting of the minds. It needs to be uh, that you're comfortable with this person. And with 40-some people and 40-some independent contractors in our service, finding that right person is going to take just a little bit of work on your point, on your part to find who you're comfortable with and who has the skill set that you need um don't hesitate to ask those of us on the board those of us who've done this for a while how to go about finding that in the interim keeper network in in the the different independent contractors you know ask us your questions of how you would what you know what you're looking for and how we could help you to vet that or what questions you can ask to vet that but um yeah just be prepared to do a little bit of work to find the right fit but there are all kinds of situations and all kinds of price points. And all, it's all dependent on, on what you're asking and, and who's receiving. So That's don't great. give up. Just keep plugging away at it. That's great advice. And lastly,
0: for somebody who wants to reach out and find you, how can they do that?
1: Well, they can find us on Facebook. They can find us on, our, on the web, of course, at www.interiminkeepers.net. Or you can Google the Interim Innkeepers Network. It will take you to our homepage. On there, you can contact us. You can fill out an assignment form if you're an innkeeper and you're looking for someone to come to you and, and take over. You don't have to just go through our list of people. You can put your job out there, and uh, all the people on our network will answer that, those who are interested and, and who have the time. On our network, we have availability calendars for each person as well as biographies of each of the interims. So you can do a lot of searching to see what fits your needs. Um, there are lots of ways, but uh, at very least reach out to us, uh, see us at the conference, contact us through our website. We'd love to hear from you. And if they
0: would like to stay at the inn.
1: Oh my goodness, absolutely the springlighthouse.com. Springlighthouse.com, excuse me, not the, but springlighthouse.com. Uh, Look us up there. We'd love to have you. We are on Facebook as well. We're on TikTok. We're on uh, Instagram. So look for us. Uh, Google us up in the Elk Rapids, Michigan area, up near Traverse City, beautiful, beautiful touristy area. and We'd love to have you come and stay. Thank you so much.
0: And visit both of us at the ALP conference in February. And thank you all for joining us for today's podcast finding lots of things to be grateful for. And one is you, Darcy, for the wealth of information that you have shared with us so generously. And again, thank you you to our listeners. We'll see you the next time. See you soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Introspection, Hospitality from the Inside. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it and make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions or comments for the podcast, or if you know someone who would be a great guest on my show or an into spotlight, email me directly at I-N-N-T-R-O-S-P-E-C-T-I-O-N at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Can't wait to welcome you back.